Welcome back to Chin Music, our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. We are doing our extensive pre-show meeting, uh, all of eight or nine seconds. And I asked, if, I asked the gentleman if there's anything in particular you wanted to bring up that wouldn't be too obvious. And Roy, uh, I, I know you're shocked that Lavelle immediately went to beer, beer sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've just now gotten up off the floor and sat back in my chair. Uh, I was I was bowled over by that. It's a thing. Lavelle Lavelle has the pulse of the franchise. He knows what's important around here. It's beer beer sales. Uh, I will say this: that uh, beer sales is the cherry on top of this thing. This is as much fun as I've had watching the Twins since 2019. But for me, it might even be more fun than 2019 because they're playing in two hours and 15 minutes and it's crisp baseball and they're pitching well. And as much as it's fun to watch the ball go over the fence, I prefer watching games like this uh, where you might win four to two in two hours and 15 minutes and there's no standing around scratching yourselves. I have just enjoyed the hell out of this season so far. Roy, what's been your impression? What's your early season (laughs) takeaway? I would tell you, I'm I'm exactly the same way. And and you guys know I'm a... Old school, Bart Giamatti, uh, loved the rhythm, of the, the pastoral nature and, and, and uh, rhythm of the game way back when. And so my first thought was, I don't know about pitch clock. I think I like it. But, you know, we don't want to mess with the, you know, with the rhythm of the game. Not only has it not messed with it, but it has made the rhythm better. And, it, I mean, baseball – for an old school guy is is not only it's not negative it's not it's not uh neutral it's a gigantic positive and, and i'm with you i mean part of it is the twins are pitching so well i mean that's, yeah. that's really fun but um it, you know a big part of it back in, you go back to 19 and the bomber squad and all that which was a lot of fun to watch those guys club the ball around but also remember that as much as they were clubbing it around it was three hours, and fifteen uh, per game, yep. you know, minimum, and you know, along with the home runs, there were walks and you know three and two counts. And and have you noticed how it just? I don't know if this will be borne out by the actual data, but it it feels like there aren't as many three and two counts. And I agree, I, and it's and I think it's because everybody's just ready. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's a vast. I had no idea. I mean, I was kind of in favor of it. Let's see how it goes. Uh, I, it's a vast, vast improvement. I just think it's early, and I'm thinking the hitters and pitchers are trying to figure out ways to dance in the margins here. Um, you're going to see a couple. I think you're going to see more hitters try to step out of the box and get a couple, couple moments to collect themselves, and that's going to increase as the season goes along. And pitchers going to figure out a reason to. to um, to kind of slow things up at times too, especially like in times when they have to back up first base or cover a bond or something, they're going to take their sweet time getting back to the mound, and um, they're going to try to try to chip away at the at the at this at the breakneck pace these games are going on. But it's been outstanding. I mean, I sat in the press box at the Twins home opener, and I was trying to time uh, each half inning. It was like you know one there was one half inning. I went like in eight minutes. The next one went. In, Till you know, twelve minutes, you know, and um, you know, you're getting out of the ballpark. I mean, there's times when they have a six forty game, you have a shot of getting out of the ballpark, you know, by nine o'clock. That's you know, crazy to think. It's the fantastic. Twins game, the Twins game <laughs> against the Yankees yesterday was two hours and twenty minutes. 
which, you know, the Yankees, if that's before pitch clock, even if the Yankees being it being a blowout and the game being, you know, um, uh, out of, you know, being secured, that would still have been a 300, three and a half hour game, you know, just because how the Yankees and teams like the Red Sox and the Rays play the game. So I, I, I'm hope, I hope this breeds a, uh, a new generation of players that are just used to working faster instead of, uh, you know, coaches or geeks telling them to slow down and catch your breath as much as possible in between pitches. Because uh, I think it's, it's great for the game. It's great for fans. And, um, you know, it forces teams to sell beer into the eighth inning because now they're not selling as much because games are going faster. But, you know, I saw that um, the Strom, the Matt Strom, the reliever for the Phillies is like, they should be cutting off sales in a sixth inning in theory uh, because because uh, you know, the games are faster. But my, my thing is this. It, people are leaving those ballparks already tuned up. It's not going to matter if you're selling in the seventh or eighth. And a chunk of them stop at a bar on the way home anyway. So I don't know if baseball teams need to be totally concerned about uh, people leaving the ballpark uh, too tuned up um, because, you know, people are responsible for their own actions. Okay, first of all, Lavelle, uh, as far as you saying that hitters and pitchers are going to find a way to slow the game down, don't harsh our mellow, man, okay? <laughs> this is, we're very well, happy about that, this. How, they, how are they going to do that? I mean, you got 15 seconds. So, I mean, I understand you could lollygag back from covering first or, right. you know, whatever. But, you know, I mean, it, the, the clock's still the clock. And guys can th- try to figure out how to step out of the box. But the rules are the the rules are the rules. I, I mean, maybe it'll slow down a little bit. For example, uh, you know, if a, if a guy steps out of the box, calls his timeout, steps out of the box, and then the pitcher holds the ball for, you know, for – 10 seconds longer than he was going to within the, within the 15 seconds, uh, you know, so that he makes the player stand longer. I mean, maybe there's little things inside the, inside the rules, but I don't, I don't see how they're going to be able to circumvent, you know, the rules being the rules. So Lavelle, I mean, am I wrong about that? I, I just, I, I don't know if I was paying attention to begin. I just noticed like this past week, it's like hitters were asking for time now. And I don't yeah. know if that's their attempt to try to to uh, kind of slow down the the, uh, the pace so they well, can sure. what the hell they want to do. And I think you're yeah, going to see sure. more of that going forward. Do that. Speaking as a hitter, you know, I would do that. Um, you know, every at bat, probably I would I would that just because to get try to get my mind <clears throat> squared away where I wanted to be, depending on the count and all that kind of stuff. But within the context of the rules, I mean, can only that can only slow that, slow it down so much. I mean, you can call a timeout, you got to get back in the box. And then here also, comes the- also, gentlemen, I think what happened to baseball was the Paul O'Neillization of the game started in the 90s, and he had success extending at bats as long as he possibly could and wearing down other pitchers and all that stuff. And it taught everybody to play that way. I think the pitch clock is not only enforcing a certain standard of time, it's also teaching players to play the game a different way. These are all athletes. They work out yeah. hard. They run fast. They, they, they're intense people. They're starting to rediscover this as an actual sport where you have to be prepared and ready and you go at it until the bat's over. I think, I think they're ingraining a new way of playing the game. I, I agree that it may take less time for a hitter to step out of the box and ask for a few seconds than it did last year when Luis arrives would walk around the entire home plate circle in between each pitch. Uh, trying to figure out what he was going to do next to destroy that pitcher. So um, maybe the trade-off is still worth it. 
Yeah, well, it is worth it. It's not maybe. It is. All right. Well, we will be talking about pace of play all year. Let's get to the actual baseball because it's been great so far. Once again, this is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. You can find all the shows, all the archives of our shows at TalkNorth.com. If you like a show, including this one, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's just the easiest way to listen. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios. We want to thank Aquarius Home Services, uh, All Energy Solar, and First Minnetonka City Bank. Uh, We're your locally owned community bank. Uh, the pitching has been spectacular. Pablo Lopez, this is exactly what they're hoping, that not only were they getting a good young pitcher under control, but they were getting somebody who had even more upside than he showed in Miami. Let's start with Roy and what you're seeing out of Mr. Lopez. Yeah, I mean, I love the trade when it happens, when it happened, because uh, I really liked Pablo Lopez. I liked his combination of stuff. Uh, uh, fastball changeup, both of them, you know, plus pitches. Uh, just uh, the fastball has way more lateral movement uh, than I thought it had, which make, it makes him uh, able to uh, pitch inside to right-handers. Uh, uh, front door uh, uh, fastballs to left-handers. Uh, you know, ball starts inside a la uh, Sonny Gray and comes back. And his changeup is as advertised. What I didn't realize is he's developed this slurvy thing and and also uh, a curveball that's that's just a slightly different speed and trajectory than the slurvy, slurvy, uh, whatever they call it. Um, it's amazing how simple pitching is when you've got three big league pitches, three plus pitches with movement and good trajectory that you and then have the mindset to say here it is i'm throwing it over or very close to over every single pitch it's amazing how how good you can be as a pitcher and i so that's all i'll say about lopez he's the real deal i I, both with stuff and his mental framework to use his stuff but now it's it's a hundred percent different for joe ryan after watching last night the the quality of his new swerver and and his new uh, split finger change is night and day to his secondary pitches last year. He still got the same fastball. It's still on the hitters' minds. And now he pitched a game last night, the way, uh, a la Pablo Lopez. Here's a fastball. Here's a swerve. Here's a, here's a fastball. Here's a split. Here's a fastball, fastball, fastball. Oh, here's another changeup. It's and all of them. I mean, very few pitches from there are these guys that we've seen now. Very few pitches are uncompetitive, are not making a hitter think, man, that was either over or it's close to being over. And I got I can't he's got three pitches that I can't I can't eliminate any of them. It's those two guys, I had Sunday Gray too, but I my point movement in the strike zone, three different pitches that you're willing to throw at any time at or near it's, it's really good. You know, yeah, you added Sully Gray and, and Tyler Mullen. And, you know, I'm a little concerned about Kenta Maeda being uh, skipped in the rotation or actually going on IL. Um, but part of me isn't surprised because he's, and he's an older guy coming back from TJ surgery, but um, there must be a factory that's like teaching these pitchers. I know they've got that uh, drive line. They all rave about, about drive line. Well, Although I don't know Randy, Su- Randy Su- Sullivan's got that spot too. It's drive line and it's one other one where um, Lopez did not throw that slur- slurver uh, until this year. 
and he shows up, and I guess he calls it the sweeper. Yep, um, sweeper, right? That's what. Yeah, it is. Fan, yep. fan graphs calls it a slider, which he has never thrown before. Um, and you know they've done they did some overlays of him throwing the, the changeup and the slurver, and they're they're coming out of the same slot and they're breaking toward the same spot at a plate, but it gets to a point where they go in two separate directions. And I'm like, that's just got to be maddening for a hitter to try to figure out. And now Ryan has one, you know, and I know Ryan went somewhere with a couple other pitchers during the off season um, to try to work some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. One thing was driving line and um, he came back fortified with a new pitch. So my, my thing about this is that when the twins traded for Lopez, they kept talking about his attention to detail, his willingness to get better. And, uh, how how much of he's a student of the game and be able to incorporate like a new pitch at age 27, I believe, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive that he's able to, uh, to find another way to get better. And I think they says, he looks like a legitimate front of us, uh, uh, front of the rotation guy. I'm not saying ace, just saying front of rotation guy. And the I twins think he looks a, like an ace. Yeah. Well, he's pitched, he pitched like one yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry, t- Tuesday when he gave up two runs in the first inning and proceeded to, Get uh, the deposit of twenty three consecutive White Sox hitters, so this is great. And everyone out of the bullpen is throwing ninety five. I mean, even Caleb Thielbar, Griffin Jacks, um, Cole Sands yesterday came in and hit ninety six in a gun. You know, it, it hasn't. It's never been like that. Um, they always had some slop thrower <laughs> coming out, some Joe Smith guy, some Matt Belisle guy, a Jarrell Cotton guy. You know, throwing the, the crazy breaking ball. Um, so I mean, when you the Twins have a lead in the late innings. Um, they got some velo guys with some stuff coming out of the bullpen now, and everything's kind of falling in nicely with the staff from top to bottom. Let me just say something. Let me jump in here, Jim, and just say something from a hitter's standpoint. Yeah, about uh, Pablo Lopez, um, he has got lateral movement on fastball at ninety-five, and he's got same arm slot lateral movement on that. Um, what did you What did you Sweeper. call them? Sweeper, on the sweeper uh, out of the same arm spot that goes the other direction. So against right-handers, how are you going to get right-handers out? Well, you're going to run the ball hard, consistently throwing strikes to the fastball with movement that's going to run into right-handers. Regardless of which side of the plate it starts on, it's, it's running toward the hitter. And then you've got the, the sweeper that comes from the same arm slot and goes the other direction and with a little bit less velocity. So there's two ways to – you know, to fool a hitter. And then how are you going to get left-handers out? Well, you got the same running fastball and you got this marvelous changeup. So, I mean, he's got a lot of ways to get both sides of the plate out and he's willing to throw it over all the time, not walk people and not get behind too often. Now here comes Joe Ryan, who's got this great fastball, is getting by on fastball and a crappy slider and just a real mediocre changeup that he couldn't really control. Now he comes back with a sweeper and a and a split finger, and he's got a 93, 94 mile an hour fastball that plays like ninety six or seven, and then from the same arm slot he's got a sweeper for the right handers and a split finger changeup for the left handers. You don't need any more than that, and they're showing. I mean, when you got when you have fastballs that are with those two guys, but similarly effective for for different reasons. And then you come up with secondary pitches that aren't just throw-ins, that aren't just uh, show me something. I mean, that, that's as long as they are able to continue to throw the ball 
all those three pitches that they have at or or near the strike zone. This is not fluky. This is the real deal. No doubt about it. And uh, I'm going to follow you some credit here, too. I, I think with Joe Ryan, it was kind of taking it upon himself to go to driveline and work on things. Sonny Gray talked about doing his own program. When they traded for Lopez, uh, what I heard from Twins people was, we think he's really good. We also think if he adds the right third pitch uh, and, you know, improves some of those spin ready type things that they work on in modern baseball, we think he can be even better than he is. And that's exactly turned out to be true. Yeah. And with, uh, and with Orias, they had tried, they tried to resign him or sign him to an extension in the past and he's turned him down. And, and, you know, this is a rare trade. I'm actually writing about this for Sunday that um, the twins sold high. And that doesn't happen uh, often. A lot of times the twins have sold low on people they've acquired uh, um, that, that haven't panned out. I keep thinking about Delman Young and J.J. Hardy and some other people. Um, but uh, this, in this case, they traded someone with, who's a quality major league play, player for a quality major league pitcher. And I think both teams are happy. My question is, how in the hell were, did the Marlins win only 69 games last year when they had Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, and Lizardo? Lazardo throws like 99. I know. I'm like, how did they only win 69 games? No wonder they needed offense. Let's get into one of the reasons they were willing to trade Louis Arise, not just who they got in return for him. Uh, I want to remind you, this is Chin Music. This is part of TalkNorth.com. Again, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. We do appreciate you listening. This show is a blast to do. Uh, we keep attracting new listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. We also pre- appreciate Aquarius Home Services. It's spring, and that means home improvement project. Is this the year for amazing, worry-free water? Whether it's city or well, Kinetico provides the world's most efficient water treatment system. Kinetico uses zero electricity and provides treated water on demand. It's easy on salt, and you'll enjoy purified drinking water right from your faucet. Schedule your free water analysis with Aquarius Home Services, your independent, authorized Kinetico dealer. We're just a click away at KineticoMN.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Also want to welcome new sponsor, First Minnetonka City Bank. We're your locally owned community bank. First Minnetonka City Bank. We're your locally owned community bank. Phone calls are answered by real people instead of a never-ending voicemail system. Dedicated financial representatives who really care about your personal, business, mortgage, and investment objectives. First Minnetonka City Bank is an independent community bank that offers the same wealth of products and services as larger banks, yet provides the highest quality customer service that other banks forget. We take the time to develop one-on-one relationships with our customers. The same banker will work with you year after year, providing the long-term understanding necessary to tailor our services to your changing needs. First Minnetonka City Bank. Stop by or call one of our convenient locations to experience the First Minnetonka difference for yourself. All Energy Solar has been advertising with us for a while now, and they keep adding nuances, things you can learn about solar energy, things you, ways you can benefit from getting solar panels. Uh, you want to save money on in your solar install, find out what incentives you could qualify for at allenergysolar.com slash coach. Solar panels are the only home improvement project that pays for itself. Learn more about going solar this spring at All Energy Solar's free webinar by visiting allenergysolar.com slash webinar. And if you want to find out how solar with energy storage can provide peace of mind during storms year round, read their ebook, Energy Storage Plus Solar at allenergysolar.com slash battery. You get the idea. Go to allenergysolar.com. You're going to find out everything you need to know about solar energy and why it can benefit you. Uh, so, Julianne, we have a, a, a 
French-speaking Quebec, I can't even say it. Uh, let's just say Canadian. Does somebody have a Quebec? Quebecois. 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 Thank you. I, I can I can almost pronounce it. Uh, this guy can hit. Uh, he has hit pretty much everywhere. He hit in the fall league. Uh, he is a rising star, and you know we obviously the rise deal made sense because they were trading a position player for a guy that thought could be an ace and two really good prospects. That's just a good deal, even if you love a Louis Arise, as we all do. Then you realize they have so many middle infielders coming up, whether it's Royce Lewis or Julianne. And as much as we love Arise, these guys are going to be hit for more power and draw more walks. They're probably not going to win batting titles, but this kid can hit. And, you know, Lavelle, I hate to make you go second every time, but I really want Roy's hitting uh, analysis of Julianne, what we saw last night. In the, and by the way, we're recording this on Friday after the Twins uh, wiped out the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Julian gets his first major league hit, his first major league home run. But he, the, what I like more about that is he looks like a hitter. I'm distant second in life to Roy, so he can always go, in front of <laughs> go first. Yeah, that makes me third. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I'll be as excited, maybe more so, about uh, Julian uh, as I am about the, the pitching staff. But um, he, I believe uh, everybody that says this guy can hit, I believe him after after watching him get started here. And <clears throat> here's the thing about Julian that I that I love most of all. I mean, he's got he's got great talent to hit. He's got really good hands. Um, he's got a nice approach. He's in his body uh, position when he strides and is ready to hit is, is in great, great position. He's not, uh, he doesn't get himself out in the way of being able to throw his hands. And he's got a, a, a hip movement at the, at when he decides to swing that Ted Williams would absolutely love. So he's got all these mechanical things that are really good. What I, also like about him is that I, I read in spring training, they, I, I read him a comment where he said, you know, I just get on the fastball. I, I look to do damage early and count on fastballs. You know, <laughs> and so and I love that about a young hitter. He said, look, you know, they got to throw a fastball in here at some point in time. I am going to be ever ready, you know, for that thing. And again, a la Ted Williams, if it's not a fastball, if he's fooled at all, he doesn't swing at it. And I've watched him take pitches and he doesn't take pitches with – and you guys will know what I'm talking about. He doesn't take pitches with his hands coming forward. Like I started to swing, I'm trying to hold up. Right. He takes pitches like he sees them early and, nope, that's not what I – you know, that's not what I'm looking for. That's not exactly the speed I'm on. But he sees it really, really well. And uh, then when he gets to two strikes, he's got a two-strike approach it looks like. Uh, he's, he'll take a lot of pitches trying to get that fastball, which will get him in good counts. It'll get him a lot of walks. He'll also strike out a bit because of that approach, because he's not uh, a la uh, Jose Miranda up there and anything close to the strike zone, regardless of the pitch, he's hacking at it, right? I mean, which works for Miranda to some degree. I wish he would tone it down just a little bit and do a little bit more of Julian saying, look, if it's not a fastball and I don't have two strikes, I'm I'm, I'm not swinging at it. So I, I just love everything about his mechanics and his aggressive approach and his ability to see the obviously see the ball well. Next step for him is probably going to ha- start happening pretty quickly. They're going to start spinning it a lot, uh, and he's going to have to make that adjustment, as all young hitters have to do. 
But it, 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 they're going to spin it and throw him different things and throw him change-ups, you know, off the fastball and all different kinds of things to try to get him, you know, try to get him out without having to throw a lot of fastballs in, in, in the strike zone. It just feels to me like he's going to be able to make that adjustment quicker than most young hitters just because of all the things, the preceding things that I've raved about. Lavelle, what are you hearing from the organization about his plans? Is he pl- eventual Polanco replacement? Um, he could be. They think second base is like his best spot right now. Yeah. Um, I can see why people are concerned about his defense. Yeah. There was a play he could have made in his uh, first game uh, against the White Sox that he didn't. Um, I, I can't see him playing anything other than second or first base. Now, if you look at the future, the near future, I mean, Polanco, Polanco was one for four yesterday and is uh, he's starting to play every day now in that, in that, if, uh, during his rehab assignment. Um, he's going to be in the picture here pretty soon. So I'm curious to see what they do with Julian then. But long term, you know, um, they may try to carry both somehow on that roster. But you have Kirilov at first base, too, who's uh, I think he had two or three hits yesterday. Um, if he gets comfortable and gets up to the majors, too, they're going to I got to sound like I have an embarrassment of riches. Uh, but they kind of uh, do. I mean, that, that's the thing about this organization is they, they traded away a batting champion and they still have too many position players. And they still they also use Spencer Steele, Steele and um, uh, and Kenoshan Strand in deals to get other pitchers who are infielders, you know, with potential as well. So it's kind of crazy. I just can't see them not putting Polanco back in the lineup when he gets ready. Oh no, um, I'm not talking about yeah. that. What well, I'm talking about uh, long term is Julian. You know, I mean, Polanco's. I think I think Polanco's got another. 2024, his deals are already vested. Correct. Uh, $12 million uh, club option for 25. I'm just wondering if Julian is a, their eventual second baseman. I I see it happening. Um, and I think that's going to be the best spot for him. Um, especially when you have you have Brooks Lee sitting at double A. You're going to have Royce Lewis coming back. Royce is going to have to learn how to play, uh, I don't know, on the outfield? Because you get how long, it depends on how long they think Miranda could be a good third baseman. They're going to have kill off at first. Um, they have good decisions to make. Uh, all I know is this, is that I really like the first five spots in the Twins lineup when it was announced yesterday. I like seeing Julian leading off. I liked how it flowed behind him with Correa in the Buxton, in the Larnick, and the Miranda. Uh, I think Roy and I were worried about how the middle of the order was going to look like, and I kind of like it this way uh, with Julian at the top. He takes good at bats, and you know what? If he can walk 70 times, if he ends up being a guy who go walk 70 times a year and strikes out 100, I'll take that. That's like three walks a week, I believe. And uh, he will he will be re- he'll, he will keep his bat in the lineup uh, as long as he's producing. And they'll make sure they'll find a spot for him. But I think second is it for now um, with them having to adjust uh, based on who's healthy and who else is on the roster. I think they're going to have a hard, really hard time. I mean, he might he might get sent back down. You know, to AAA when Polanco comes back, I mean, maybe. Uh, I don't really know the numbers there in terms of the roster as well as you do, Lavelle. But uh, they, they're going to want him to, uh, to play every day and to hit uh, at the AAA level like he's hit everywhere else, which I, I feel pretty confident that, uh, that he will. He's a kind of hitter. You know, a lot of good hitters are like that. The better – the, the higher they go in the minor leagues, the better they hit because the conditions are better, the pitchers are better, they're around the plate, you know, you, they, 
you can start getting a sense in the, at the AAA level of what pitchers are trying to do, and they actually they actually come a little closer, you know, to, to doing that. And and guys like Julian will <clears throat> will get better and better, you know, as they as they go up the ladder. I'm just looking at the future. It gives them an awful, you know, for a team that is now you know pitching in defense, it it. it makes Julian a little bit suspect about, you know, whether they, they're going to be willing. I mean, he's going to have to hit a ton, uh, an absolute ton, in order to play average to below average second base. I mean, in, in this Twins regime. But on the other hand, tough to give up on guys that can hit like that. And if Royce yep. um, gets himself healthy and starts, and starts tearing up AAA, I can see a, a future where – um, you have a Miranda and uh, uh, Miranda as a DH, and Royce Lewis at third, and Julianne uh, somewhere, you know, filling in for uh, Polanco or you know whatever. I can I, all of a sudden, like like we're talking, they don't have a bona fide third or fourth hitter, but they got seven or eight guys they can hit. You know, I, I mean, and that's if if that's the case, that's enough. I mean, the only time. You know, they, it's really glaring when you don't have a third or fourth hitter uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, the kind of the stereotypical guy is when you've only got, you know, three or four guys that are real run producers. You got a chance here in the future, in the future, uh, you can not too distant future where you see eight run producers in the lineup. All, all I got out of this is that Roy compared Julian to Ted Williams. OK, so I'm going to go to the Canadian <laughs> press oh. and say Edouard Julian et le nouveau. Theodore Guillaume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I said that he, he does two things that Ted would, would have loved. He's got this violent, uh, late, good timing hit action, and he doesn't swing at pitches early in the count if he's fooled by them. Both Ted Williams mantras. Here's the interesting thing, guys. They have Correa signed long-term. They have Miranda on the rise. They have Polanco for at least another year after this. And four of their top nine prospects are infielders who can hit, or at least we think can hit. Brooks Lee, Royce Lewis, Julianne, and then uh, Jose Salas is another interesting guy who could be, you know, could be here by as early as next year. Then you even have Austin Martin down the down the road a little bit, and Noah Miller yeah. and other people. I mean, they just they're just they have built something here, uh, and it's going to and. You know, of course, the first thing we do is say, okay, some people are going to get hurt. Some people are going to fail. You're going to need a lot of bodies. But it really does position them to do what they've been doing, which is trade for talent. Uh, all five starters in this rotation, the number one rotation in baseball right now, they traded for. Uh, and they traded for Duran and they traded for Lopez. Uh, you know, having the bullets when you need to go make a trade is a big deal. Yeah, it is right. a big deal. And, and they are going to trade – some some middle infielders and i'm yep. going to go back to uh, a really great point that lavelle made about uh, about uh, selling high they're yep. gonna they have shown the willingness to do that which i i, I have tremendous respect for i applaud them uh it's one of the things that that twin that uh, teams do really poorly they just can't stand the heat of of, of being wrong if they trade somebody a really good player, but if you're looking at okay, what's the what what uh, pushes it over the edge? With a rise, it was it was basically lack of power and uh, run production. It, you know, even though batting title and and in the right kind of club, 
he's a, he's a great, a great offensive addition, but for the twins, uh, didn't really have a position and it wasn't a big run producer and they needed a pitcher of, um, you know, Lopez's stature and they, and they had the courage to make the deal. I mean, good for them. And I'm hoping and assuming that they will continue to say, you know, this is the right thing to do. And, and they may have to trade more, not have to, they may get a, 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 an offer for a Miranda package that makes the club an awful lot stronger. I, and I, I'm not, I'm not picking on Miranda that I think he should be traded. I just mean, They've got this glut of what looks like really good players coming up in the middle of the infield and or around the infield. And those guys, it's going to be like the old days in the AAA. Boy, it's really great. They are going to have to force their way up. It's not just, well, God, we, let's try Royce Lewis. We, you know, we don't have anybody else up here. Prospects also come on. And Brooks Lee, yeah. guys are going to have to force their way in. And if they do, and the twins have the ability to trade people, so um, it's it's I I really like that. I was saying prospects also commodities, and the twins are going to have a their bank is full of them right now, and uh, it makes them very dangerous at the trade deadline if they need to fill in a, a blank somewhere and the next off off season because you know teams have scouts and they're going to go back and say, look at the twins major league roster, look at the twins minor league roster. There's a glut here. Let's see if we can dive into some of this and see what they want. You know, of course, the Twins are going to say we want pitching, and it'll be tantalizing to see, you know, how that how that works out. Two you know, the other time. thing that's oh, sorry, I'm sorry, Jim. The other thing that, that what that this early start of the season has shown. I mean, obviously, what they've done with this, this the pitching staff starters through through the closer, um, but Derek uh, and Thad have shown. Uh, a real ability to say, what do we need to be a good team? All the way, you know, not just let's go out and get another Nelson Cruz at third. What do we need to be a, a, a really good team? And the, um, the Gallo addition, the Solano addition, the Farmer uh, addition. Taylor. Um, it, it, you, know, all, you see immediate, uh, immediately, oh, this, this makes them a pretty complete team. I mean, they've got – They've got guys that can do some things all around the field and have professional at bats. It's not the it's not the same bench anymore <laughs> that it used to be up until basically this year. I mean, they've got they've got potential big league starting players, you know, throughout the the the, uh, the player roster, and they I'm really impressed with how they've looked at okay where. Do we have holes? Obviously, we want to get better uh, on the mound. Obviously, we want to get some, you know, some popping line there. But, but what other things can we do to shore up every little aspect of the of the ball club? And if this start has shown anything, it's shown some of them, some of what we considered minor deals. Uh, uh, Michael A. Taylor. I mean, it, the the prescience that they've had, the foresight that they've had on um you know uh, on this i think is is terrific i, I want to add one more thing and i want to say michael taylor for next week because that leads to a press box moment that was involved in on opening day okay. but uh the other thing about falvey and levine that they gotta get credit for because you know Fal- they try to develop pitching from within um i'm I, off the top of my head i think i'm the josh winder cole sands jordan Balazov, which may have been there before they got there but maybe not um uh, i'm gonna put john duran there because they when they traded for him when he was an A ball, he was a starter and Bailey over. So they were trying to put together 
a core of starters that get to the majors and contribute. But, you know, we're finding out that in order to have three good starting pitcher prospects, you need to start maybe 10 or 12 because things happen. You get injured. They stall. um, They get punched in a bar. um, They become relievers. You know, I think Falvey told me a couple years ago that half of starters who are drafted or signed end up making their first appearance in the majors as a reliever. Um, And, you know, once these things start to stall, the Twins figured out ways to trade for the starting staff they have. So they're good at pivoting. Um, I have to admit that they are, they're good at making adjustments. And, and when one thing isn't working, they can figure out a way to, to kind of fix it. I also have to add this uh, to give us credit because, and by us, I mean me, but I'm going to give you guys some credit too. Uh, Roy, you remember we did a show way back when uh, we did a show and we said they got to go sign Nelson Cruz then I did a podcast with Derek Falvey like the next the next day or whatever. I told him, Roy and I think you should sign Nelson Cruz. The next day they signed Nelson Cruz. This huh. year, this year we're sitting here doing a show in I, I think in February or something. And I think we all were talking and I said, you know, the about the only thing I think they're missing on this roster is a backup center fielder. The next day they went out and got Michael Taylor. It felt like a minor deal. The Solano deal felt like a minor deal. And here they are playing every day for a nine and four team. Uh, yeah, so that's really, a little bit. It, I ahead. mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And, um, you know, I, uh, I do respect the, your use of the Royal us. Yes. <laughs> we, we, this, <laughs> we is just an upside down me. <laughs> this started in 1987 when Andy McPhail came to me in the end of August and said, I know you're buddies with Don Baylor, but yep. beside, do you think we should get him?" And I said, Andy, if you don't, you should be fired. I mean, you, gotta, <laughs> you, you have to do that. And that sounds like something I would say. What's that? It sounds like something I would say. <laughs> Groove, Groove hit that big home run in the sixth, uh, sixth game to get to get us even with Tudor, get him out of the game, and uh, set up uh, Herbie for hitting the grand slam and putting it away. And and uh, you know, since since then, uh, Jim, the, the Royal Us. I mean, we've been uh, we've been telling people how to how to uh, manage things here. That's what we do. It's Very how nice. we do. <laughs> All right. One more topic. I, Brandon, sorry, I'm doing such a long show, but this is so much fun. Uh, one more topic for today. But, and first of all, uh, I hope Kyle Farmer's okay. He's a really cool guy. It's a horrible injury. I'm glad it's not as serious as it originally looked. Uh, but one more in-depth topic to get here. To. Uh, Roy, tell me if I'm right or wrong. I'm watching the other night. Lopez has the great outing. Duran comes in. Nobody's gotten hit off him all year. First pitch to Robert, a hanger banger, goes over the fence. Uh, then he gets mad and throws 103. They don't touch him. I'm watching it. In my simplistic view, I go, why would you ever throw a breaking pitch before you've shown them 103 and scared the hell out of them? Uh, what Get do me you over, Breaker. Well, um, if you had seen the text that I sent <laughs> Laudner, uh when I, yeah. when I saw that Right after I saw that breaking ball go in the middle of the plate, go up there, and, it, and then you'd know how I feel about it. I will, I will tone it down and say, okay, Rocco told me last year I, when I was complaining about some of these kinds of things. He said, Roy, I'll show you the data. More fastballs get hit for uh, you know extra bases and home runs than curveballs. And we all know that the whole league thinks that because it's a breaking ball throwing league. You know, supposedly. My point is, from a hitter's standpoint, first of all, 
you know, there's there's a hundred and you know fastballs that are going to get hit over the fence. Well, there's a 95 or a 93 or a 96, and then there's a 103. And I'm, and as a hitter, 103 is different than 95. I will guarantee to you that it's different. And I think that um, that Duran, as good as that breaking ball is, and as it, it, he is, he has got. I, I will never ever come off of my belief that you have to establish pace. You have to establish velocity. I don't care what your velocity is. You have to set the, the tone and the stage with the hitter that th- this is what you're going to get beat on if you're not ready, whether it's 92 uh, or 96 or whatever it is. But if it's 103, then the guy knows coming off the out of the on-deck circle, man, I gear this up. And at 103, I just don't believe that you're doing a guy a favor by throwing him a fast uh, a, a fastball rather than risking, you know, spinning one up that doesn't do anything. A fastball at 103 in the middle of the plate plays better than a hanging breaking ball in the middle of the plate. I will guarantee you that. There's times where you don't need to be tricky, and it's looked to me like he just wanted to get a get, get me over breaking ball uh, on Robert, who we thought. He has to understand, even when you throw 103 and they know you're throwing 103, doesn't mean they're going to hit your 103, even though if they know it's right. coming. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, the get me over thing, I, I got trouble with, especially uh, if you're in a one run game, you don't throw the get me over stuff. Right. And especially when you're trying to close out a game in the ninth inning, adrenaline's already pumping. He, they're all geared up um, unless you have a great off speed pitch. But I, I'd like to see just established a, the, the 103 and, and go from there. I, I thought the same thing when I was sitting in the press box going, get me over curveball, really? Uh, I'm not on that. Well, and let me tell you something about that, get me over curveball. Even if he didn't mean to be get me over, it was just, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm afraid they're looking for my fastball, so I got to throw something else. And first, you know, and Pablo Lopez and Joe Ryan have never looked like they were afraid that a guy was looking fastball, right? I mean, and, and they've got less fastball than, than Duran does. I mean, and you, I, I just, if he's being influenced to be concerned that a guy's a first ball fastball hitter and he might hit it at 103, then I think they're doing him a huge disservice. And the thing I was I started to say is, you show uh, Robert 103 and then throw that same breaking ball and he doesn't have that swing at it. You have got to show him, yep, I can throw it. I, I can throw a fastball up here that you have no chance of hitting mm-hmm. before you can throw him. Tip your hat if he hits it. You know, and, absolutely. And, absolutely. You know, pitchers are being taught to hide the fastball as much as possible. Don't do that with a closer throws 103. Uh, well said. I usually don't tip my hat because then I have to show my bald spot. But today I'm going to tip my hat to Lavelle, <laughs> to Roy, to Brandon. Great show. I appreciate it. We'll have a lot of fun this year. We'll talk again next week. Uh, we're also trying to put together a live show where we can do, uh, bring Twins fans out. Let them see Roy's batting stances and uh, Lavelle's cigar collection. Uh, So, hey, thanks for listening to Chin Music. We'll be back to talk to you soon.